What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Broadcasting in Black and White. Thank you for listening to this episode, whether it's your first episode or your repeat visitor. Just as a quick reminder here at Broadcasting in Black and White, we try and break down the broadcasting industry by talking to actors, directors, reporters, producers, anybody in the industry pushing the envelope to try and figure out where it might be going. And in this episode, we were lucky enough to talk with Taj Rani of BET, and Taj is quickly becoming the face of digital for BET. She was kind enough to open up to us here and talk about some personal topics, including how you overcome those bad moods at work when you know you have to go on air. She also told us what it was like being told that you're not good-looking enough to be on air and how she's had to overcome that in her career, which she has done with style and grace. And she also took the time to explain black Twitter to me, something that I feel like I was missing out on beforehand, so forgive my ignorance on that topic. But we had a few laughs along the way and really think that you'll enjoy this episode. So without any further ado, here is our sit-down with Taj Rani. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hey everybody, Joe Masiri here flying solo today. Kenton couldn't be with us. However, do not worry about it. We have the one, the only Taj Rani of BET with us today. Taj, thanks so much for uh, taking some time to talk to us here. Of course, of course. Definitely had to. So, Taj, um, you know, you look at your resume and you've got things on there for BET. You're creating things like the buzz. You've got the warm-up, BET breaks. Tell me about some of the stuff you're doing over there. Um, so basically I've been at BET.com coming up on four years, and uh, when I first started out, I was an interactive producer creating original content for the television shows on the network. So 106 and Park, Being Mary Jane, um, I would do some editorial stuff for all of the network's temples, um, and eventually I sort of said one day, hey, I can do this on-camera stuff to let me write a script, and uh we built a video franchise called The Buzz, which was connected to 106 and Park when it was on air. Once that died and left, I switched teams and went more to just the editorial side, and I revamped The Buzz as the warm-up. And now under the direction of my vice president, we have something called BET Breaks, which is an original video franchise. It's basically reporting the news in a fun, snappy, hot way, um, basically four to six times a day, me and another girl and I write everything, produce everything, do the research, get up there, I'm the talent, and uh, I kind of just make sure that the shit moves. <laughs> to put it mildly, when you say you have the hot takes there on news, tell me, how do you feel wearing so many hats, doing all those things you do to get your content out there? Um, I'm kind of like a Jill of all trades for BT.com. Um, just Thank because you for I that. Have I've, yeah, I've, I've been afforded the opportunity, luckily, to work with people who have really invested in my growth within the company and really let me be a creative. So nobody has ever come in and tried to stifle me or anything like that. And it's kind of like, you know, if I want to do this, the BET breaks, there are other things that are priority that also have to happen and being one of the more senior people, senior content creators on the team, I'm always lending a helping hand. And it's always been like that. It's a it's a family-type environment. So when I started, it's 
very much all the time, all hands on deck. So if it is the BT Hip Hop Awards weekend, I'm still doing everything I would normally have to do. It's just not me doing it in New York City in a studio. That is awesome. And, I mean, it gets rough sometimes, and some days I want to strangle some people, and some <laughs> days I don't necessarily want to be there, but... uh you know, you, you push through and you sort of take those lessons with you every single day. But, I mean, the good definitely outweigh the bad. Have you always had that much uh, creative control or creative freedom that you have right now? Or, or how did you come about earning that? Um, I think that I was the person that was there. And all my teammates are like this. Um, we get it done. So if example, if we're working on a long-term project on a Tuesday and at 3 o'clock, someone would come over, like, we need to get this done and out tonight. We have to get it all done. So the work doesn't really stop until it's completed. Um, and not just so that, you know, our bosses or, or my boss will be like, well, you did a really great job. It's like your name is on that product. Um, so I definitely earn that trust from my higher-ups. And with that, I'm a pretty decent communicator, I would say. So I'm very clear about my intentions with everything. And modest at that. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I've i never really been one to beat around the bush. Um, if I'm uncomfortable with something, I'll let them know just because I know it, it's, it won't read the right way. And I don't ever want to compromise my integrity or my personal code of ethics um, to do something that someone may think is going to be buzzy or really pop off. Like, you know what I'm saying? You, you always have to remember that at the end of the day, it's your face, your name. But um, again, it's just really me being a clear communicator and making sure that everything gets done. That's fantastic. No stone is left unturned. So yeah. what's a typical day for you then? I mean, while you're doing these things that are your own passion projects that they've let you pursue, what else is going on for you while you're at BET? What else are you turning out on a daily basis? Um, right now, the main thing is BET break. So before, when it was the warm-up or the buzz, we're talking filming something once or twice a week. So those days, it's, you know, I would get up, write my scripts on the way to work, my clean into the city. Um, the building I record in is different from where my home base was, so I would just go in, record, and then go to my home base, write, update our landing pages, research for stories, um, Troll the internet. I'm like the team troll. I know what's happening when it's happening because um, I love social media. Uh, I can tell. Um, we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Now it's, gosh, like triple the amount of videos I would normally do. So that is the main focus. And, you know, it's a small team. We have the shooters, the editors, um, my coworker, Jamila, or I should say she's a co-host in a way. Um, we research everything and, you know, turn those scripts out back to back to back. We really just stop to eat lunch. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, and that's always really, really quick. And when you kind of remember that, okay, it's one o'clock, so I should probably eat now. Um, but typically it's just writing the scripts, researching, seeing what may happen, happen, following certain trending topics that our audience may be interested in and trying to predict what will really blow up. Right. Every story is not going to be success for us. 
Right. But it's really sort of having your finger on that pulse and knowing when to pull the trigger. I got to I got to interject here and just say that you know, I think probably when I first started reporting, that was the first time when I didn't eat lunch that I think I missed a meal in my entire life. So after that, you know, you kind of get used to it a little bit more and more. And then you start looking at the clock and saying, oh, no, it is time for lunch. I really do have to eat. Otherwise, it ruins your productivity throughout the rest of the day. Or you totally look at the clock and you're like, oh, it's four. It's almost time for dinner. Um, (laughs) I I forgot to eat earlier. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But you know what? That just means you're in that flow. You get in that state sometimes where things go Mm -hmm. from, uh, you know, things start flowing from your mind to – to the screen, I guess, in your case, or whatever mm-hmm. screen that may be. All right, so so you're putting together now, you said you you tripled the number of videos you're doing. So for the people who aren't familiar with BET Breaks yet, give them a little bit of idea of the updates that you're doing and how people are finding them on social media and whatnot. Um, so basically, BET Breaks, they are news briefs based in pop culture and music. Um, some hard news, depending on the topics. But what's hot and what we know the audience is talking about. So basically, I troll the internet. My co-host trolls the internet, and um, we speak with um, our producer that just came on, and sort of pick and choose what we should go forth and do. And uh, basically, example today, a really big one with Stacey Dash was talking again. Not it doesn't really ever matter what she's talking about. It's just like <laughs> she's speaking again. Um, so with that, because our audience thinks that she's a huge troll, we can add <laughs> some slight commentary in there. So basically, Stacey Dash is sort of in, well, she was, or maybe still is, to some people, a beauty icon um, in the black community. Just, she is gorgeous. And she's almost 50, and she looks, like she didn't clue it when she's <laughs> twenty five. Um, so you know, people always love Stacey Dash. Never really heard much from her from, you know, after the time Booth came out, but you know, people pretty much loved her. But um, you know, she came out as being this staunch Republican, which is totally fine. There are black conservatives everywhere. But she suffers from foot and mouth disease. <laughs> so, um, you know, part of the issue Today was that some man apparently, allegedly according to her, hacked her Twitter account and was putting up disturbing photos of some sort. I didn't see what photos she was talking about, but she basically tweeted and said he did it for attention. Then she spoke to TMZ and said that she went to the police to report him because he was harassing her. Fine. But it gets good because then she's like, and I did it to show women that you should always go and report you know, these people that do that, women women can do that. Something to that effect, and it's kind of like, okay, Stacey, now, you know, you're not on air because you were cussing about the president on live television a couple of weeks ago, so <laughs> right. we don't even, we can't even think about you right now. But the issue here with her acting like you can just erase harassment with going to the police, it's like, if it's that easy, you know, women wouldn't be in abusive relationships, and there wouldn't be such an issue with crimes against women. And most people know when women are in those types of situations, if you are the victim, you are less likely to report it to law enforcement just because of fear of retaliation and the mental things that happen, the emotional things that happen. So just her kind of saying, ladies, don't ever play the victim, is kind of like it's easier said than done. Plus, we know you love attention. 
because if you didn't, you wouldn't have tweeted about it or spoken to TMZ about it. But, um, you know, that our audience is very vocal and that is something that people are going to want to talk back about. Same so, thing if Rachel Simone says anything. No, we definitely have to do a BET break about Rachel Simone speaking and whatever ridiculous things she said on this day. So, right. you know. So, so. How do you fit all of that into BET breaks? Because, I mean, they're pretty short. Uh, they're living on Instagram sometimes, the ones that I've seen. Oh, yeah. So basically, um, when we cut it for Instagram, um, my co-host, I give her the time codes, and it kind of can give this story enough context. I'll usually have her splice up two different pieces. Um, so you get the gist, and it's usually the part that's showing the most personality or whatever my punchline is for that day. Um, but in general, online on BET.com, they are usually about 90 seconds. And it is difficult to tell a full story in 90 seconds, but um, you assume, and we assume that our audience is familiar enough with what we're talking about um, between all the ways we can get news, which is Twitter, Instagram, Facebook whatever your favorite website is. But we assume they're familiar enough with the news where we don't need to give them a whole backstory in order to tell what's happening. And that if it is something that we can lend some comedy to or a little bit of commentary, we have enough dates for that. So um, so for, for the BET breaks, um, are they living on Instagram, Facebook? You obviously said you tailored to them. Are, is there any place else that they're living right now? Um, they live on Instagram. They get posted to Facebook natively, but they do live on BET.com. Every BET break that's ever been done lives on BET.com. Um, they are in the sports section, the news section, the celebrity section, and the music section. Okay. So, you know, you're talking about Stacey Dash, you're talking about Raven Simone and some of these outlandish, ridiculous things they say. And, Mm-hmm. And you are kind of trying to figure out how you're going to treat these stories and what these people are saying for your content. So how do you mm-hmm. see your role when it comes to broadcasting that stuff? Um, I try to stay as true to my personal opinion as possible without seeming completely biased. Um so it is like walking a tightrope every single day. Because hmm. um, I'm sure you've got some strong opinions on some of these things. I do. But the whole goal was that you should be reporting the news, the celebrity news, the gossip, whatever it is, using the facts. But if, if you are speaking to your friends and being very conversational about it, and since that's what I do in the office anyway, because I'm the social butterfly of the office. <laughs> it's all very, it's, you know, it's something that comes natural to me. Um, you know, writing comes very natural to some people, that type of reporting. Reporting hard news comes natural to people. This is something that comes natural to me. Um, so it's very easy for me to write the script because I'm familiar. It's easy for me to get up and record. And it's easy for me in the event that, you know, our prompter is broken because that's happened before. It's easy for me to uh, go off script. Right. I write everything so that it's easy to memorize um, and in a way that makes sense to people as far as the order um, of events. But, um, yeah, I mean, some days, some stuff is a lot easier to write than 
than other things, but you know, I try to I try to push through. I mean, that just has to do with sometimes I'm just tired. <laughs> You're, and, you know, you you it's a lot of words to For look sure. at that word a day um, is a lot, but your people don't realize you're using different parts of your brain when you're writing and then when you're getting up there and reading and really performing it. Right. Because I can really be having a sucky day, but once the camera comes on, you have to be there. I always say broadcast journalists are probably some of the best actors in the world. Because you literally have to turn it on and no one to turn it off. Um, and nobody can know that you're having a moment. Like, some days before I go on camera, I am so happy and I'm dancing around. Other days, like today, I'm a little bit moody and I can't really talk to people. <laughs> um, but you don't know that once the camera starts rolling. So was there a moment when you became aware of, oh, man, I am not in a good mood today. I don't want to do this. And then you saw what came out of that product and were like, oh, boy, I got to fake it on days like today. Did that happen to you um, at one, one instance? It didn't happen to me today because I was aware early in the day that I was in a mood. Maybe it was the weather. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, I was aware. I'm self-aware enough to know um, when I'm just in a headspace that is not necessarily the best for work. So I was very clear and sure with myself that I needed to like pull myself out of it. Um, and my coworkers are really, really great. So... You know, we've known each other for a while, so it's sort of like if someone's having an off day, you kind of know and understand and know how to work with that. It's not like I went in yelling or screaming or anything like that, but, um, I mean, I But you wanted to. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I... I knew pretty early, but I knew... I mean, I turned it on and off. I have had days that it's been a little bit more difficult to to get together. Right. Or it'll take me longer to record. I can usually do it in one to two takes, but sometimes it's just like, please be patient because I'm trying to get my head together. That's cool. But it, So it sounds like you've got a family that you're working with there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've been... I've been working with most of my coworkers, I'd say for at least two years, maybe a little bit longer. And it's not just that we record together when we have tent poles and have to travel, we travel together. So there are certain points in time where you see these people that you work with way more than you see anybody that, you know, you've been friends with that you see way more than your family. Like when we go to stuff like the DT awards, go on for like a week straight. And that is who you are sleeping in the hotel room next to who you are eating with, who you are working with. You're with them all the time. For better all, or worse. <laughs> yeah, for better or worse. <laughs> I mean, luckily for us, you know, we all get along and we do all genuinely, like, love each other and really do hold each other down, which, you know, it's fortunate to have something like that at this stage in, in my career because um, I know that it's something that won't necessarily be there forever. So how many people are we talking about here on your team? You mentioned it's small. About how many people? Um, the BET Breaks team itself is, let me count, Jamila, a shooter. It's 
probably like five to six of us that work on it every single day actively. Wow. Wow. Um, you know, if the editors are bogged down, someone may jump in, but it's usually two editors, our shooter, who also edits me and the other talent, and our uh, top editor and producer. And she's there to just make sure everything is running smoothly because until this week, I was the top editor and producer, so I was writing and editing my stuff, but then also editing my coworkers and going through everything in the approval process and stuff. So, wow, juggling like crazy. Yeah. So you mentioned that you mentioned the writing comes easy to you. Is there is there a part that's harder that you had to learn along the way? Hmm. This writing comes easy to me because I'm allowed to write the way I speak. Hmm. Which thank goodness. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm allowed to write how I speak so that it sounds natural. Within reason. Um, but like I said, sometimes if it's a story that's dealing with a bunch of legal stuff, it takes me a lot longer because you, you one, can't write what your source is saying exactly because that's plagiarism and that is not legal. Right. So, you know, you have to be, you have to make sure that when you're writing it, you're not twisting stuff around, making it incorrect. You have to make sure that you're not saying anything that's going to get you sued. Um, but when it comes to stuff like that, it gets a little bit more difficult. Or when it's something that can be a little bit emotional or that you may be extremely, or let me speak for myself, that I may be extremely biased about, it is more difficult because I have to sound as neutral as possible sometimes. Right, right. Um, and, and in the so, world, do you think that's harder in the world of, you know, pop culture? Because, I, I mean, I feel like people that are allowed almost to have stronger opinions on pop culture than they are, say, like, religion or politics. And then, because you, you, that's what you talk about with your friends, as you say, and then to go in there and try and squelch that a little bit, is it harder? Um, the, the difficult part is that BET.com is not just a website, so it's not like going to TMZ. TMZ is just a website who happens to have a television show because they have a website. Right. But BET is, BET.com came 20 years after the network had existed and been standing on its own. So writing and working as part of an arm of the network sometimes makes it difficult because you have to remember you are still representing that brand. That brand comes first. That label is always there. So you have to remain cognizant at all times that it's not just you. It's not your website. It is not, like I said, it's not Fossip or TMZ or anything. Um, You're dealing with something connected to a network. So that is the, the you know, struggle sometimes. Right. You know, I have to make sure it's pulled back. Plus, I have to make sure I'm staying journalistic because I didn't go to Syracuse for no reason. <laughs> um, you know, and I don't want to just be speaking or make it sound like I'm just speaking and spewing what I think is fact 
no, I need to attribute. And that's another big thing, too, because it's like, if you're coming through with shaky sources, we're not writing the story. Mm. So it's really sometimes that legwork gets kind of ridiculous. I'm sure. So you talk about, you brought up Syracuse, so we'll go there. I mean, was there something from Syracuse that stuck out to you, advice being either good or bad that you kind of think about on a regular basis still at this point in your career? Yes. So um, I'm going to say a few things. Okay. <laughs> I feel, I knew why I went to Syracuse. Obviously, I, I wanted to go to the math school. And I knew once I started the broadcast journalism program that I wasn't going to do news. And why? I was trans, I, it was just not for me. And I have a, a specific example okay. about why, but I, um, I was a transfer student, so there was really no, hey, change your degree program. No, there was no time for that. Um, but I needed to learn all the skills that I did. I needed to learn how to write scripts specifically for time, which is a really big thing, like, cause, because I can write a script um, and get a perfect word count and do it for 90 seconds exactly, and people don't understand how because we were always writing for time. You have to. Um, but I have... One example, I had to do, it was my week to go out and be the on-the-street reporter, and it was the dead middle of winter, and there was a blizzard, and I was really mad because this particular story, it was like some Syracuse icon had passed, and I had to go to the funeral and cover the funeral, which I thought was absolutely ridiculous. Mm. So I left to do it, and I came back, and I told the professor, I was like, I'm not doing this. Ethically, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that I'm supposed to ask people grieving, leaving a funeral, questions for a package. The professor was like, well, you go do it or you get a zero. So you should go do it. So I left and I did it. Um, so that was one of my points where I was like, oh, I'm absolutely, I'm not doing it. I'm, this is not for me. Um, and then my other example, that was when I knew I, I didn't want to do news. Right. I can appreciate everything I learned, and I really wanted, I knew when I went I was just going to be a newscaster because I loved Sue Simmons, and I didn't think anybody on earth was better than Sue Simmons. <laughs> when you curse people out because you think that your mic is off. Like, that, she's amazing. But she retired, I cried. Um, and I'm so serious. Chuck has never been the same, but anyway. That's <laughs> that rapport is hard to replicate after all that time together, for sure. Yeah, like... You I should hear what we say here when the mics are off. It gets crazy yeah, sometimes. Yeah, and you should, if they built a blooper reel of mine at my job, I'm sure that most of it will be bleeped out. That or me, like, rolling my eyes or something at everybody, because that is just what happens. That could increase um, your followers big time on social <laughs> media in this day and age. If that with The BET brand, though, like you said, you got to think about that. Yeah, but it's me, and I'm not even, like, rolling my eyes at anyone. So much as it's just me in my world and my thoughts, but um, is it is it bitchy resting face? Is that what it is? Um, it's not even like my resting face. <laughs> stuff will happen, or like I'll be going, and then they'll be like, "No, stop! You got to start again." And then I'm like, "But it was perfect." <laughs> I'm a very expressive person, so the faces they happen. But then the other example um, that I took from Syracuse was this is. The same class that I had to go do that freaking um, funeral. 
thing for yeah. it. Yeah, the package for it. Um, I went in to review the week that I was anchor, which is easy. The two easiest things for me were anchoring and uh, producing a full newscast. It just made the most sense to me. Right. I thought I was going to be a weather girl one day. Absolutely not. Like, working a green screen is not for everybody. Right, right. But when I was reviewing the video with this professor, who one day I will email and let him know that he was wrong and sent him my reel or something, um, you know, he's critiquing. Now you're in there because your professor's supposed to just critique your, like, performance. That's it. Um, and he was basically like, you know, you look nice, not as traditional as I normally like, but you look nice because I did not wear a blazer or a collared shirt. I had on like a lavender frilly thing. I looked librarian-ish, I guess. Okay. By like, your words or his? It was, huh? You looked librarian-ish by your, by your estimation or those his? Are, those are my words. Oh, okay. Like, I had a nice little like, bow in the front. It was a really cute shirt. All right. And he was like, you know, but you look nice. And then he was like, you know, you did your makeup really nice, which I had to because I'm a black girl. And I was, if I didn't have makeup on, I would look gray okay. on the camera. So I was like, okay, thanks. Is, wait a minute. Is that where the term ashy comes from? <laughs> ashy means, I mean, if your skin is dry and like, Leaking, that's ashy. Oh, okay. Like, if someone's elbows are white. I mean, because... Oh, yeah, 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 okay. But See, I this is just, when I need I, Kent I in just, here. But yeah, I would look gray on camera. Okay. Um, just because of the lights and stuff like that. Um, so he's critiquing me, and I'm waiting for, you know, the meat of it. Like, what do I need to do more? Do I need to read something differently? Do you need me to fix my accent again? Because I had already had one professor give me speech exercises to fix my accent. And I read them once, and I was like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> um, but he, his words were, you look nice, but you know all women aren't fortunate enough to look like Halle Berry, but you did really well with what you had. I was 21. What? I was like, yeah, that happened. So, I mean, I held, I'm sensitive. I mean, I talk a lot and stuff. I'm tough, but I'm very sensitive. So I was like, okay. And he was like, but I mean, you know, not just black women, white women, purple women. Nobody can really look like Halle Berry. So I was like, okay, cool, noted. So I got out of the office and I went and I cried. And I was like, like I said, I was like 21. And I was like, oh, I'm not doing this. And I was like, so I'm not doing news. I have to figure out what I'm going to do when I graduate. Because at this point, I really can't change my degree program. It's like... I, there might have been one class left that I had to take with an elective. So I was like, well, this is it for me. Like, I'm not going to do anything on camera. So for five years, I didn't, do, I didn't go near a camera. So I learned how to write. That's how I got into digital journalism. Because after an internship I had had that summer, after he said that, um, I made some connections and I learned how to write when I was there and do editorial work. So that's sort of how I just... So wait a minute. So wait a minute. So the professor, so the yeah. professor says to you, basically, in not so many words, but you, no, you you're not, said, you're not good looking enough to be on air. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, at 21 years old, I mean, we've heard you. You always hear about stories like this that they tell people straight up that they're not. I mean, you look at your local news stations and whatnot, which is what you're thinking about basically when you're in school there, mm-hmm. and there are far from 
the most attractive people on the world at some local news stations, let's be honest, myself included, obviously. Um, so, and then, so you decide, okay, I'm just going to give this up and I'm going to go learn to write? Yeah. I was like, I was devastated. Wow. And I think um, part of the devastation came from the fact that, not to make it about race, but to just clearly make it about race. There are <laughs> black people. There were no black people in the broadcast journalism class. It was like me and one other girl. And I really didn't know that there was a diversity issue until graduation or convocation when I sat in a row with all the black people that were in the Newhouse School. There were no more than 15 of us. And I should say black and brown. Um, so you're saying this to me. I'm a young woman. Um, you're an old white guy. So, I mean, the whole thing feels weird anyway. Um but that kind of stuff is just devastating. Um, and for me, just being, like I said, I'm a sensitive person, so I didn't take it well at all. I did not take it well at all. So, yeah, so I was like, well, I'm going to just not be bothered because that's not the type of criticism I'm here for, and I'm going to learn how to write. And then, like I said, I ended up at BET, and they needed someone to do, like, on-camera interviews and stuff like that, and I had been writing the questions for the people actually asking the question. How frustrating is that? Um, it was fine in the beginning because it was sort of like a, oh, can you just throw us a few? So I would do it. But then when it comes every single day, it's like, oh, no. So finally one day I was like, look, just so you know, I can do this too. I can ask questions. So if you need me to do it or if someone comes here, I would love to speak to them. You know, is it an option for me? And they were open enough to let it be an option for me. That's to, awesome. Um, yeah. But, I mean, like I said, it took it took five years and letting go of a lot of just nonsense to do it. So, I mean, the biggest lesson in Newhouse taught me is that your professors are not always going to be correct. Um, and people's criticism is not always going to be correct. And that you should never really let it deter you from the path that you're on because I don't think that anything I've gone through has been a mistake um, personally or professionally, but um, that's the biggest lesson, but it takes, you know, it, it, it took a lot of guts and a lot of, you know, talking myself into it to do. When, um, when you first got that opportunity, I, got, I have so many questions stemming from this now here. Um, when you first got that opportunity, was, was that still in the back of your head? I mean, do you think about that today when you, that professor yeah, told you? I think you? about it all the time. Wow. I think about it all the time. Um, because it happens. If you're having a day where you just don't, we all have sucky days. Like everybody has a bad hair day or something. Um, and I am just someone I... I don't really like wearing makeup, um, but I just, I don't like it. I have to wear it every day because with the camera, but I, I don't like wearing it. But some days, like, I'm just not feeling how I look. And mm. if I'm not feeling how I look, I don't feel good. So, it's, you know, it's a constant thing. It's a constant thing. But I think about what he said to me all the time. Wow. All and, the time. And then stemming from that also, I mean, do you think... Well, there's there's two questions that I have that I go from. So first, with the with the writing aspect, I mean, mm -hmm. if that hadn't happened, do you think you would be the writer that you are today? Because you said you went and you focused your time on writing for five years. I mean, 
silver lining to a very dark cloud there, but do you feel that you would have ended up here anyway? Um, I don't, I don't know. Because like I said, writing editorial work is difficult for me. Like writing articles, sometimes it's easy, but if it's something that's kind of lengthy, I have to like really sit and concentrate. Right. That literally like trance out. Um, would I be as sharp as knowing how to pick stories and knowing how to narrate them? Probably not. Probably not. And then... Because, I mean, when you are when you write an article, you just have to write the article. When you're writing a script, you have to... Well, in my case, if you're writing a script, I have to write it, and then I have to get up and perform it. So, um, you know, it, it, it's... It, um... That I'll say that made it a little bit easier being being sharp, knowing how to pick that story. Um, that you know, having to write and stuff like that that's definitely helped. And again, writing for speed, right. just because of the type of, of work I've done um, at Music Choice and now at BET, um, writing for speed, knowing how to like fact check and really knowing how to research things. Right. They're all those are like three skills that you know you learn throughout school from the time you're young to you're old. Like how to read and research, how to cite sources, stuff like that. But when you have to put it into action every single day, um, especially in the internet age, because it, it happens in the blink of an eye. Um, knowing and, and learning how to write editorially has really sort of uh, helped sharpen those skills. So, like I said, it's, it's very easy for me to find and source a story and write the scripts and stuff now. Right, But, yeah, I mean, it's like his curse was kind of my blessing, I guess. So then then let me ask you this, take it one step further from there. I mean, you mentioned the lack of diversity that you didn't really realize until you were leaving school. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you think that you would have made that push to say, hey, guys, you know, I can do this too, I can ask questions, I can be on camera, if it wasn't BET? if it had been a different environment? Um, yeah. I think... My issue with him is really the fact that he had the nerve to say that right. um, in a learning environment. You know that when you go to work at certain places, people will say out of line stuff to you all the time. That's kind of like, well, whoa. But, I mean, that's professional. But I, I just... What does what I look like have to do with the grade that you need to give me for the job that I did? Um, and in a way, you know, looking back, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, it's damaging because when I went and spoke to someone that worked there at the time, when I told them who it was, they were shocked that it was this particular person and not someone else. Oh, that wow. Was, to say stuff like that. So to say that um, more than like, one professor is just getting it out there and... and yeah. Yeah. Um, that's hard. So, but you know, if I, if I work, uh, I probably would have been just as comfortable at, <laughs> for that chance. Um, right. I didn't grow up in a quote unquote, I guess, predominantly black environment. My, this area I grew up in, the town I grew up in, and the high school I went to, it's one of the most diverse places, I think, probably in New York state. Um, 
So I was used to being around and seeing different types of people and talking to different types of people all the time. Um, so, yeah, if, if it wasn't BET, if it was somewhere else, I still would have asked. Under the circumstance, I still would have asked. So I would have let that be known. Right. Um, and now when it comes to just the workplace uh, where you are now, um, I mean, is there, does that ripple to your relationships with your coworkers? I mean, is that something that as other people are doing work or I'm sure, I mean, I know you're part of a, a mentorship program. Um, mm-hmm. does that, is that come across? Is that some, one of the things that you like to, to talk about to push? Just this situation in particular? Well, I guess just more, uh, just self-identity and, and believing in yourself, that sort of thing. Um, because of our work environment and some of the things that we have to tackle, like hashtag Black Lives Matter, um, with different situations like that, we are kind of like a support group for each other, which is lucky, especially for people who live here and whose family is in a different state, which is me now because my family moved like a year and a half ago. So when stuff like this is happening, um, it's a safe space for us. And I know if someone leaves a job or if I leave a job, I know that these are people I can call on for anything. Anything. That's um, great. But we always, we always talk about self-identity. I'm not sure that there's really a week that goes by that we don't... Um, because it's important and because we aren't all the same. It is a black network, black entertainment television, but black people are so different and we're from all different places. Some people went to historically black colleges and universities. Some of us didn't. Some of us went to predominantly white institutions. Um, So, you know, everybody's lens is different. And I mean, people in general, you know, your lens will be different. Um, but yeah, we talk about, gosh, religion, politics, self-identity, um, music, culture, you know, you name it, we talk about it, um, over lunch, while we're finding the stories, uh, while we're traveling, just, you know, if we get it down in it. And it's not just limited to, to us, my immediate team, it's, it's everybody that, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough to to work with. But like I said, it's it's a it's a safe space. Right. No you, matter what. You mentioned the Black Lives Matter movement. When you went to mm-hmm. BET, did you think you'd be covering I guess issues and topics as heavy as as heavy as that? Um I think that I'll see this. Nothing that happens or nothing that has happened that has sort of sparked the Black Lives Matter movement surprises me. Um, It's a surprise to mainstream media because it's exposed, but, um, you know, the history of the country is what it is. So I'm never surprised. I'm always sad. Um, There's always a slight jolt to the system, um, but I'm never... I'm never surprised. I didn't think that it would be something that we have to discuss with such frequency. Right. Um, 
end, I wouldn't think that it would be the same story happening time and time again, basically the same outcome in the legal system. We're seeing the same reactions over and over and over and over again. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's been interesting also because as social media becomes more and more important to this millennial generation, um, seeing younger people sort of take the movement into their own hands and sort of expose, you know, what's happening to them in real time has actually been kind of, it's been interesting to watch um, and to see it voiced. So, um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't really imagine ever having to write anything or discuss anything like that in, in such frequency. Right. So what you mentioned this, mm-hmm. you mentioned the social media movement and how that's kind of played a role here. How do you treat that when it comes to social media being the fact that you say, you know, you try and remain impartial and is there a difference between social media and what you can get away with and, uh, you know, BET and what you can get away with? I mean, I've toned down a little bit on my personal account. Um, (laughs) A little bit. um, Because when I started my Twitter account, my Facebook account, it wasn't as Tajani, the journalist, it was who I am because I wanted to talk. I have a lot to say. Um, <laughs> but I do. Are you over a million tweets yet? No. <laughs> I'm I just got to like 100,000 a few months ago, and I was like, oh, my God. I think I'm at but, about um, 5,000, so. <laughs> yeah, it's like all the time. I've met some great people on Twitter, so I can't, and been able to connect with some great people on Twitter, to be honest. That's awesome. Um. I you know, I watch what I say sometimes, and um, I watch what I comment on because trolls will find you. Outside of working where I work, trolls will find you and harass you, retweet you, and then you're, you've got a bunch of people on your timeline saying just rude, ruthless things and wanting arguments where there really is no argument. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I... I if there is a conversation going on, if there is a hot trending topic, I am all on it. All on it. <laughs> That's fantastic. So what is it? I mean, what is it about social media that you love so much? And is there a form? I mean, do you prefer Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat, whatever it might be for you? Uh, what draws you to it? Um, I just like it because, <laughs> I've, always, because I've always been nosy. From the time I was young, I've always been nosy. I always like to know what's happening in the world that I'm interested in. Um, and now with Twitter, it's it's so easy. <laughs> it's so quick. Um, and then it's sort of like if, if my friend tweets something. Like this morning, someone we went to school with was like, God, the Secret Service can't get it right. So I didn't know what he was talking about, but I needed to know if I was like, what's happening? Link, please. So, you know, he sent me the link and it's just that quick. I don't even have to go Google Secret Service. Um, you know, so it's the feeling of instant gratification. Um, gosh, and like when trending topics happen, it's just it's like a trending topic and to just read through some of the stuff. It's like Steve Harvey messing up Miss Universe the other night. Yep. Gold. <laughs> Gold. 
Uh, I didn't even watch the show because I was like, I'm not, I'm not watching Steve Harvey. And literally two minutes after 10, it's like, what did he do? And my mom was on the phone and she was like, the news just said Steve Harvey did something. So of course I went right, literally I went right. To wait Twitter. a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Your mom got the news before you did? Because she had, she had the TV on. Oh, so we okay. were, we were speaking and she was like, Steve Harvey just. Messed up. Because that's got to be a rarity for you with mom coming out with something before you get it. Oh, but my parents, you know, they're a little older, but they do try to stay up on the hot stuff because they know how I am. Right. So sometimes, like, my dad will be like, did you hear that this and that was happening? And I'll be like, yeah, I did. But sometimes I'll be like, no, because, you know, he's hip. He wants to be hip. Right. Young. That's what I say. I keep them young. But, like, with Steve Harvey, it's like I go to Twitter he had just said the wrong thing. It's like there are memes for days. The yep. commentary was hilarious. Like, commentary was so funny. I literally, a friend of mine tweeted something, and I was drying real tears. People would be like, oh, I was laughing, crying. No, I was really, like, I was laughing so hard. I was in a pool of tears at my house. And um, But I love that. And I don't really use Facebook as much anymore. Facebook is more of the oh, this person's getting married and having a baby tool. So you just go look. Right. Um, post stuff every so often. I have a group chat there. Um, I like Instagram a lot, but I can't do that every day. You can't There's do that every day, of, you said? No, it's a lot of upkeep. Mm. That's a lot. Because <laughs> um, if I'm not showing you a picture of me and what I was doing, what, I, what, what are we, what am I showing you? Um... <laughs> But I like Snapchat. Okay. Why? What do you like about Snapchat over Instagram? Um, I like that it disappears. Um, I like the fact that you can go to the Discover tab and that the companies and brands have their own way of telling short stories, but that if the World Cup is in Dubai or something, I can see the World Cup in real time. Or if I'm asleep while it's on ESPN, when I wake up in the morning and ESPN isn't playing anymore because they're playing sports center for the 30th time, right. I can just go to my Snap story and go through and see what was happening. So I think that that's always, um, I think that that's really cool. And I, I sort of like being able to speak sometimes. But sometimes I can't type fast enough. Okay. So, you know, being able to just jump on there and uh, give my commentary Plus, people tend to, when they read my tweets, they're like, oh, I could hear your voice when you said it. So I do like to speak. And let them hear your voice. Do you ever feel, do you ever feel being as dialed in as you are? I mean, do you get those feelings of missing out? Do you, are you feel overwhelmed? Like, oh, I haven't checked this. I'm not up to date on this. Did I miss something? Um, hmm. I ever feel like I miss things? No, because I've taken I haven't taken a full social media bath, but I take days away. Like I was, I went to DR earlier in the year, and the Wi-Fi sucked, so I really couldn't see anything that was happening. I was fine. Right. So was, all we was, have to all we have to do is just make sure you don't have Wi-Fi in order to remove yeah, no you Wi-Fi, from that world. No extra charges to my telephone. We're gonna go down. <laughs> right. But um, um. You know, I'm okay, because sometimes you don't want to be bothered. 
sometimes you just get a little tired and it's just like this is it's a lot right it's sort of like people that are always like i don't watch the news because it's too much how can things always be so sad sometimes it's like i can't talk to you about kim kardashian's butt anymore i don't want to <laughs> these procedures that kim Car- like oh my gosh yeah there's still the most googled woman in the world <laughs> and you know, definitely I'm, her butt I'm, I'm all about Kimmy K and that, but sometimes I am I'm okay. I can I can I can step away from that. Right. All right, you got to explain something to me though, because um, mm-hmm. Kenton told me I had to ask you about it because I don't understand what what is Black Twitter. Black Twitter is hell gone. <laughs> um. What is Black Twitter? Because I'm a member of Black Twitter. And I'm not a member of Black Twitter because I'm black. I'm a member of Black Twitter because I'm all in those conversations. So Black Twitter is, I think, the heart and soul of a lot of Twitter's trending topics. And some of the more unexpected trending topics. Um, But it is a... This is so funny. Um, Black Twitter is basically, it's, it's a community. Um, and we give commentary on all kinds of things. So the BET Awards are on. Everybody watches the BET Awards fine. But Black Twitter is there and even the play-by-play of everything. So is, is this something that I need to be, that you need to be inducted into? Or, I mean, how, how do you get him? No, they just pull it. It just it got labeled Black Twitter. It, it's because of the specific commentary that happens. It happens with black folks. Got it. Going back and forth on Twitter, but yeah, it's just it wasn't always there. So, what's um, one of the hashtags that comes to mind? Because you said it's some of the more unusual hashtags. Uh, one of the hashtags recently was hashtag Thanksgiving with Black people. Oh, I and, saw that, and then everybody, ev- there were other people who started trying to, to co-opt it, I guess, and make it their own. Yeah, but it's not as, so, so it's sort of like an inside joke. So, <laughs> it'll show a picture, it'll, someone will develop a meme, I don't even know who started the trending topic, but it'll be a meme, and it'll be like a picture of a grandma hugging her grandson or something. And then it'll be like, grandma taping for you when mom told you to go sit at the kid's table. Or something like, <sighs> something ridiculous that is literally just, it's an, it's an inside joke. Like, imagine if you had like, hashtag, you know, Joe M and friends. Mm. It would be like if you and six of your closest friends had a group chat and you were talking about all types of things that you saw happening when you grew up, but you guys know each other. We don't all know each other, but it's all about the shared experiences that we've had. So, so what, it was like hashtag Thanksgiving with black families. And I say it was like hashtag Thanksgiving clapback. So the clapback is all the responses that you say when nonsense happens at your house during Thanksgiving, but you don't ever say because you don't want to be embarrassed and you definitely don't want to embarrass anybody else. <laughs> um, 
So they, wait a minute. They, so they, so if I try if, if if I try and partake in something like this here or immerse myself, is it like uh, is it like Hillary Clinton today? You know, with the whole oh, um, yeah, right. With the for those who who may not know, Hillary Clinton Hillary came out like your abuelita, your abu- your abuela. How she's like your grandmother. There's seven things that she had in common with your grandmother, although. It it fell very flat. You could hear a oh. pin drop on that one. And uh, Google uh, uh, hashtag not my abuela if you want to find out a little bit more about that one. But so am I going to look like Hillary Clinton trying to be in on a party that I don't belong at? No. No, 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 no. Like sometimes what will happen is people will be like, oh, this is racist. But it's like it's not because we're not we're generally – Nobody is saying anything negative about anybody else. It's just literally about, like, the black experience, the shared black experience. Because the thing is, it's people from different socioeconomic backgrounds that live in different parts of the country, but it's, like, literally the conversation starter. Mm. It's it literally, it's, like, just the experience. Um, but if you saw it, you would probably laugh because you would probably relate. But, um, yeah, oh, it's, it's, it's hilarious. Like, Black Twitter is hilarious. <laughs> I, I hear you trying to contain yourself right now a little bit there. Oh, gosh, it's, like, really, you know, something that Black Twitter does a lot is we're good for a live tweet session, which I will go out on a limb to say is part of why Scandal is actually as successful as it is because Scandal wasn't really popping off when it first started. Like, the ratings were okay, but Shonda Rhimes' audience was so into what was happening, they started tweeting, like, on their own. Right. So that was a very natural thing. And and I can say, because I've done social media work also at my job, um, there's a... You have to, it's, it's, a, it's feeling relatable or being able to relate to whatever the topic is at hand. All right. And, and so, can you, can, so can I just go on and check, like, if use hashtag black Twitter and, and find some of these things? Or is it just, you know, when you get mm-hmm. caught up in the tidal wave? No, black Twitter is just, it, it just is. It's like a wave. It just happens yeah. and then it's like gone and then it, the that, wave pops up again. But if you went to hashtag black Twitter, you would never find it. Gotcha. Because it's just the it's the conversation. It's not like a designated place. All right, I need to. It feels like a rave party that I'm not invited to yet. So um, <laughs> I, I need to find and explore this here. All right, listen. Only because uh, you know, I'm sure you're exhausted here, and we've been talking forever. I just want to throw a couple at you quick, and uh, hopefully mm-hmm. get you to sleep so that we can have you well rested and energized tomorrow. Um, so real quick for you, um, where do you see this going? I mean, obviously you, you've, you've done some print and digital here. You're at BET and working for their digital side. Where do you see broadcasting going in the next, say five years or so? So my theory, and I'm probably the only person with this theory, but I think that media will end up advancing more, you know, taking on the digital piece, but I think that we will see a reversion in a way, because I think that people my age, 
approaching 30 in their early 30s. When we have kids, since we know all the damage that the digital world can do to people and um, that it can expose people to, I feel like we may raise our children more like we were raised when we were kids. Hmm. Like, oh, you should definitely go play outside. Put your iPad down. Like, the fact that kids have iPads and iPhones and stuff displays me till this day because I just don't. I can't. I was like 16 when I got my first cell phone and it was like a prepaid. It was, you know, all types of things. So, I, but I, I think that the advancement will continue, but I think that we we will see a little bit of a reversion. Right. One of the things that, I mean, you talk about it with all the trolls out there for kids, especially, I don't know how they deal with all the bullying. Bullying mm-hmm. is, is an issue when it's face to face and it's existed. But the fact that people can hide behind social media and now we call them trolls instead of bullies, it's the same mm-hmm. thing. It's verbal abuse that in one case would make a kid cry. And in another case would have a kid throw a punch and then a fight started. So mm-hmm. that's one thing that I, I think, yeah, I totally agree with you there. It's going to be tough for parents to shield their kids from that moving forward. Um, well, the thing too, and, and with that, like growing up, I was bullied because my last name is unique, and um, I got made fun of for a very long time. But you know, you go home, your parents give you a pep talk, and you have to go at it because, like you said, it's face to face every single day. See, so you cry about it but you have to keep going. You have to be stronger. This, it's like you're suffering in your, you, you're not safe. You can't even be safe at home by yourself because you are constantly connected. That won't be my kid. Right. I'll say that much. Um, yeah, I think it'll change a little bit. Interesting. So a little bit of disconnecting before we get even mm-hmm. more connected. Um, so anything that you really like right now, work, be it uh, somebody that you're reading right now, videos that you're watching or hooked on uh, that maybe a lot of people don't know about or that you just discovered for yourself? Right now, the only thing that matters is cereal dropping at 6 a.m. <laughs> that is what matters. And... Sarah Koenig is the MVP of 2015, and that's all I know. So I'm really into cereal. Okay, and now, was- so we had we got Bo Bergdahl now, right, in that story, um, and as opposed to the Adnan. What do you think about the way this is going this season here and the, just oh the different path? So the type of person I am, if I'm not ahead of the curve, I can't jump in just because everybody else is obsessed and that's a turn off to me so when cereal came out last year and everybody was talking about it i was like i'm not i can't do this right now i'm not doing this i'm not listening every week but then finally it might have been christmas break it was christmas break and uh, i was like let me just listen and i binge listened <laughs> for like the final episode because i was like oh my god like i had to stop myself from listening and i was like you need to stay past these for tomorrow <laughs> So last season was great just because emotionally I was invested and confused the entire time. And Mm. I still don't know what I really believe. Um, This season, however, I am not emotionally invested. I'm more impressed with Sarah's research and her storytelling. I'm not emotionally invested in this at all because my opinion is very clear and strong on what the issue is. 
but her storytelling and I don't know that outside of Dateline specials and CNN specials that we've gotten journalism at this level. Mm. She's so she's so thorough and she's so descriptive and she doesn't miss a beat. And my favorite thing is just when she throws in she has a one liner, like the first week, phone's ringing and she's like there's a beat, and she's just like, that's me calling the Taliban. Oh, yeah. What? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Just casually dropping so that down. Up, so I woke up, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, cereal's out. Praise. And all I saw in my timeline was, quote, that's me calling the Taliban. And I'm like, wait, but I'm thinking it's a joke, because I'm like, there's no way. When I listened, I was like, oh, my God, like... I don't need to hear another episode for the season. And then last week, <laughs> can you hear her doing an interview and she's laughing in it? And then she gives a beat and then she's like, I'm I didn't understand the joke. I really don't understand the joke. And I'm like, Sarah, so, you're amazing. You know the best part about that is so I'm listening to that. My wife and I have have a rule. We we listen to that together. It's kind of our in the car thing, and when we're doing road trips or whatnot. So uh, I'm listening to that. I hear the joke, and I've been doing a lot of stuff recently um, regarding some of these attacks that we've seen, you know, on on Muslims here in New York, and mm-hmm. it was just absolutely crazy to me because uh, I I just got to a point where I had understood the meaning of that joke. So I had to explain it. We paused it. I explained it to uh, my wife, and I'm sure that Sarah has probably had millions of people at this point reach out to her and try and explain the joke, but I just thought it was so funny in that context. Yeah, like, cereal. Cereal, it, like, I love... I love it. Because it's also, like, when, you're, when you listen to it, can't listen to it as background noise. You really have to be fully engaged. And it's like, people hate radio at this point. But it's like, you will stop and listen to Sarah do this for one hour straight. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing to me. Yeah. I, um, I'm about to get into, um, oh my gosh, the Netflix thing, the, the, you gotta wait. With murder or something? What, what is it? Which one? Uh, so there's one stairway that I've heard before, and then there was a oh. there there were two. So I just saw this on my on my Facebook timeline today, um, the one that said I should watch. It just so this just came out. My best friend has been binge watching it. She's like, "Oh my god, you need to see it." So I'm gonna have to do that. Um, but I'm, I'm I love reality TV also. <laughs> I know things things that are. I do. I love reality TV. I always have. Right. People act like reality TV is something of the 2000s, but I'm like, uh, did you guys not ever see Rolled Rules or The Real World? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Before the challenges, before it was just challenges, I'm talking, like, that is, so to me, reality TV is not um, something new or a fad or something. It's always been something I've really been um, interested in. I mean, a lot of these guys act and stuff now, but... Um, I do a lot of work uh, with with Kevin Powell, who is uh, who's an an author primarily now, mm-hmm. and uh, he's he's talking all over the place now. He's in one New York. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I love that. You just you, can you name them all? You want to go through all the seasons? No, I can't. no we'll, we'll do it You're another all day. time. <laughs> all day. Yeah. 
But um, I, I do like reality television a lot. Um, I don't. I told you I'm weird about like new media, so I don't like watching things on demand on the computer. Mm. It bothers me. I have a television. I'd prefer to watch it on TV. I, I mean, if you plug the computer into the television, or if I do decide to invest in, what is it, Chromecast or like an Apple TV or something, right. that'll work. But as far as like just watching things on my laptop, it unless it's something I'm really, I, like I really need to see. Like if it's power and I need to see it when it like drops at midnight instead of waiting until the night of, yeah, so I will... By all means, I'll watch that on my cell phone if I have to. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I think I think the next generation is gonna differ greatly from us on that. Our our children won't agree with that one. They'll watch it on wherever they can get it. I think. Yeah, but in general, it's like that's what I need to do, and I have to watch the news every single night. I have to what like if I don't watch the news every single night, I get flustered. And it has really? Yes. Wow. It has if there's, like, a football game on NBC and I have to put on, like, seven or two, I'll do it. But, um, and I have to watch the Today Show in the morning. I don't care how ridiculous it is at this point. It's the Today Show. That's just part That's of your ritual? Today show. Hmm? That's just part of your ritual? Yeah, since I was little. Since I was little, I just, NBC. Awesome. Plus, I think that the quality of the look is the best out of all the New York City news. And nobody's ever going to change my opinion on it. But um, <laughs> it just, um, yeah, since I was young, That's it awesome. doesn't matter where I am. Just, you know, I'm loyal. I'm very, very uh, loyal to that. Because they show in the morning. And I love Cameron Hall, and I'm obsessed with Carson Daly. He's part of why I am a broadcast journalist. TRL, right? TRL, yeah. And, and I... I don't think Carson Daly gets as much credit as he should. I think that, you know, we're also focused on Ryan Seacrest because he sleeps three hours a night and does all these amazing things and he's a he's dope, he's a mogul and whatever. But um I think that TRO was is something that's unforgettable, more so than American Idol. You can't name any American Idols after like season three. So, um, you know, I, I Carson Daly I think what he did with T R L was really amazing and the thing that I love about him he was always unapologetically Carson. There was mm. no box you were ever going to put him in. Um, and he was always who he was. And when Kid Rock was coming, that was Bob to him. Um, if Nelly was coming, you could tell he was really cool with Nelly, too. Um, but he was never fake. And if he really wasn't in a good mood that day, we could usually tell because he was just kind of trying to get through the show. But it's like, you handle Mariah Carey coming up in the middle of her breakdown, half stripping on TV with an ice cream cart. Carson right. did. Like, you know what I'm saying? There, there were so many iconic moments that he was he's a part of that are totally stuck in my memory. But, um, you know, that's live television every day. That's cool. Um, but, yeah, so that's part of why I'm, like, stuck with the Today Show. Oh. All right. Well, all right. Listen, I want people to be able to find you, uh, be it on social media or on BET. So uh, tell me, where can people find you if they want to, you know, see BET breaks or, or just reach out to you and get in some, uh, some Twitter, ch- Twitter chats about Carson Daly and cereal. <laughs> so you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Tajrani. That's spelled T-A-J like the Mahal, R-A-N-I. 
and you can find me on Snapchat at, at Taj underscore Rocky because someone apparently has my name and I don't know how that happened, but that's real. Oh, man. Um, and <laughs> you can find BET Breaks at BET.com. You can go to the music section, celeb section, news section, or the sports section and just click where you see it, the videos and it'll be populated everywhere. Awesome. So, yeah. Taj, thank you so much. Account. Say that again. I'm sorry. Oh, I post them on like my Twitter accounts and stuff like that. Also, so you will probably always be able to find them. You won't be able to miss it. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Taj, thank you so much. Uh, you know, we're here over an hour at this point. I, I feel like we just started scratching the surface and we could go for another one. But in the interest of having you well rested and uh, and not having to fake it on air tomorrow, uh, we'll call oh, yeah. it here and maybe we'll do this again sometime soon. All right. Definitely. Would love to. Thank you so much for talking to me tonight. Awesome. Thanks so much. And thanks, everybody, for listening. <laughs> Hey everybody, Joe Masiri here one more time. want to thank you for listening to today's episode. And as a reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast over on iTunes. Just search for Broadcasting in Black and White. And if you've listened this far, then chances are you're probably interested in some of the things that Taj had to say today. So want to remind you that you can check out the show notes over on our website. That's bibmedia.tv. B-I-B for Born in Brooklyn, media.tv. Check it out there. You can find some of the things we talked about, like Taj's BET breaks, some of her favorite stuff on social media, and, of course, those notes on how you can reach out to Taj. As always, we're looking for your suggestions for people that we should talk to in the future, so don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BibMedia or over on Instagram also, Bib Media is the account. And then give us a like on Facebook while you're at it. We'd really appreciate it here. Again, if this is your first episode or your fourth episode, doesn't matter. Thank you so much for taking your time to listen to this episode of Broadcasting in Black and White. Brought to you by Bib Media. Believe the hype. Thanks, guys.